Welcome to another episode of the Wealth Elevator Podcast. Today, we are going to transition from the basement floor to floor one. This is where we cater to the small investor looking to climb the ladder to financial freedom. If your net worth ranges from $50,000 to $500,000 and your monthly cash flow hovers between zero dollars to $5,000 a month, and I'm talking about the net there, which is your income minus your expenses, you're in the right place. On this first floor, it's all about being a savvy saver and a strategic buyer. Pretty much good money mindset and values. Take my story as an example. So fresh out of college in 2007, I started my career as an engineer. I got paid pretty well, but still living pretty frugally and saving aggressively. I managed to save nearly $100,000 annually thanks to a stint as a traveling employee with minimal personal expenses. Basically, I just lived off the company dime. I lived in hotels and I pretty much used my corporate card for all my meals and then some. But a lot of this came from the way my parents taught me how to save my money, not buy things I didn't need to. We would never go out to eat at restaurants. And when we did, we never bought soft drinks. So we were those kinds of people. The key thing here is most people are not like this profile that are good savers. And that's cool if you're not, right? Like, I think there are great options out there for folks becoming better savers or trying to have a freaking budget, right? Now, the thing here is moving away from the traditional investing mindset of investing in the 401k and all the traditional investments that aren't really that great returns because they have a lot of fees, hidden fees built in, and they don't give you the tax benefits that you do with real estate. So the key here is diverting the money that would have gone to those traditional investments and putting it to down payments on rental properties. Why? Well, in the first floor, we want to acquire alternative assets and a great starter alternative asset is a simple rental property. Now, there are four big reasons why you want to own rental property. The first being the cash flow that you get, then the appreciation, the tax benefits, the ability to leverage. And I break down a lot of the math that isn't really good to show in a podcast form, but check out the YouTube video article that we have at thewealthelevator.com slash turnkey and learn more about it there from a numbers perspective. But, you know, follow me here, right? Rental properties is what you want to be doing on the floor one. And you're beginning to be a little scrappy with your income and cutting other unnecessary expenses. And from what I've seen from clients, because I saw it with myself, I was a pretty good saver. But once I bought one little rental property that maybe was twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 down payment to buy a $100,000 house, that one little rental property after all expenses and paying off the mortgage, insurance, taxes put in an extra two, $300 of extra cash flow a month. So there was a huge correlation between me saving 20, 30 grand and putting an extra two, $300 in my pocket or $3,000 a year. It actually motivated even more to sort of tighten up the belt in terms of finances and save even more money. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a little bit of a financial fanatic too. I think you kind of understand what I'm saying, right? Like a lot of this stuff that we do is fun, it's motivating, and it can also go on the side of pretty addicting, right? And you can imagine early on in 2009 was when I bought my first rental property. I was like, whoa, this is the coolest thing, right? The money that I made from that first rental property, which was code profits and cash flow at that point at the end of the month, you add that up. And I was like, 
well, that was kind of what I was striving to get that next promotion to get that $5,000 promotion. And here I just gave myself a promotion. Wow, this is cool. I'm addicted to this stuff. I just need to save more money. And to me, I think this is a sad part, right? A lot of people just never get even past the basement stage to this floor one stage. You know, most people just can't save $5,000, $10,000 a month to even get on this type of escalator wealth building here. You know, rental properties, you've got to deal with tenants. I'm a big advocate for getting professional property management to do your dirty work for you. But still, you're going to face challenges like the property maintenance and occasionally difficult tenants. When I had my portfolio, I usually lost money on one and every three rentals every year, which, you know, if you're a very conservative investor, you may not be super comfortable with that. But I diversified having 11 rentals, which I acquired from 2009 to 2015. That obviously augmented the amount of passive cash flow I did almost a few thousand dollars every single month. But more importantly, it got me diversification. So if I had a tenant that moved out, trashed the property, yeah, it sucked, but we'd kind of pick it up for a couple months when the whole portfolio kind of churns. A lot of our clients these days are already accredited investors, already in their 40s, have been saving for a decade or two already and skip over this first floor of wealth building, which is namely buying a single family home rental, putting it into operation, working with property managers, dealing with the nonsense of repairs and vendors and tenants. I always think that this stuff is great to know. And unfortunately, a lot of our kids with us being either the first or second generation millionaires will never have to do, which I also call this the adolescence of investing, you know, because who really enjoyed going through puberty and adolescence, right? But this is where you learn about accepting risks, going through ups and downs. It makes you a little bit more robust investor. And it also makes you appreciate it more when all this stuff eventually does start to get traction and you get to that second, third floor penthouse, which we'll get more in the coming weeks here on the podcast. It's something I think about a lot of times having a kid myself, and I think it'll be kind of a constant theme you'll see in future podcasts as we do have a lot of people within our family office, Ohana Mastermind, our mastermind group, where they have younger kids, adult children too, and it's all about educating the next generation about this stuff. So even if you're coming in as an accredited investor, just going to invest in syndications and private placements, which we'll talk about more next week, having this foundation of grinding it, going through the first floor, saving maybe a few thousand dollars to six thousand dollars every month. You know, months go by and your net worth goes up. Christmas comes around, you pay for some vacation, it goes down, you get knocked down. But, you know, it's this slow grind where, you know, you look up at the end of the year and if you're in the first floor, you're able to save $5,000 a month. And then you look up at the end of the year and you've increased that delta and now you're saving twenty to $50,000 per month. And now you're really starting to get going. Most of our credit investors are able to save anywhere from fifty to $100,000 plus every single year, which powers their investing even more. But the important thing on this first floor, it doesn't matter where you're at right now. This is all a journey, right? And I think that this is the hardest part of the journey. And this is the thing that takes the longest. A lot of people think that this happened overnight for me, but they fail to remember that I graduated in 2007, just started working, bought the first rental in 2009, and then 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, a lot of years later, watching grass grow. 
then I had a pretty decent portfolio of 11 rental properties. But then at that point, I was probably in the second floor of the wealth elevator starting to invest in syndications and private placements, nowhere near where I wanted to be, right? But what I'm trying to say is it takes a while, don't get discouraged. Some other alternative investments that some people consider that are like Airbnb, short-term rentals. I don't really suggest these types of properties, even though they're very popular. The reason being is they are really discretionary spending items for people, right? They are vacation properties. When people go on vacation, they use these types of assets. But in recessions, people stop going on vacations, right? So I always like to base my investment thesis off of things that the general public uses and performs well in recessions, which is that most of my portfolio is somewhere in this workforce housing, you know, long-term rentals for the average blue collar or lower middle class worker, somewhere between like average rents between $700 a month to $1,400 a month. Might be a little bit low from your standards out there, but this is, I think, where the majority of the potential clients out there. And in recessions, I think what happens is in people living in nice luxury homes downgrade to more value-based uh, living options. And I think this is where we kind of, you know, are situated. And now you're seeing why I don't want to invest in vacation homes. Other alternative investments can be you know, brick and mortar businesses, virtual businesses, you know, things that you can value add and eventually exit or use the cash flow you get from that to go and buy other alternative assets such as real estate. Again, I keep coming back to real estate because it is somewhat passive. It is a very recession resistant type of item. It's not going to be going away anytime soon. You know, I like to invest in things that are, are long, are, that are around for a long, long time. Whereas like, you know, like drop shipping is an, a thing that a lot of people like to get into, but it's highly, highly competitive because the barrier to entry is almost nothing. And the game changes so, so quickly. And, and it's just hard to be successful in something like that for any long time. Whereas real estate, I mean, you don't get more basic than renting out a box to the general public out there. And also, some people see this as a bad thing. I think, think of this as a generally good thing is you need twenty dollars to $30,000 for a down payment on a $100,000 house. So there is a pretty big barrier to entry that most people cannot get into which is why you need to strive to get there. And check out that video I did talking about the tax benefits. Um, the wealth elevator got the wealth elevator.com slash turnkey, you know, and then, you, you know, reading into more of the business expenses. Now you can start to write off things that you would have spent anyway and being able to write it off effectively getting you a nice, 20 to 40% discount, depending on what tax bracket you fall into there. And that's generally what the wealthy like to do, right? They like to blow their personal expenses through their business to be able to get savings there. And it's just a different way of kind of flowing your expenses that you would have done anyway um, through, through this mechanism. But it's not possible unless you have 
you know, businesses or alternative investments. And that's another reason why I don't like investing through a qualified retirement plan mechanism, such as a 401k IRA. Um, if you want more information about this, check out our info page at thewealthelevator.com slash QRP. Again, very untraditional based on what, how most people think about wealth building. But, you know, this, trust me, a lot of this stuff I've kind of learned from more higher net worth accredited investors, you know, meeting people face to face, figuring out what the best practices are. And, you know, what I try and distill on this podcast are, is that these best practices based on where you're at. And what I've realized and what you'll find in the coming floors is a lot of these strategies that the wealthy do are very implementable by anybody. But boy, are they very counterintuitive than what our parents taught us, what our friends and family are doing out there. I mean, you may have to put this section um, before that last. I'm going to add a little bit more about the taxes here. You know, the cool thing about business expenses is, you know, you can write off things such as like your cell phone, your computer equipment, um, you know, supplies, um, and even your car. And, you know, if you're interacting with people, vendors, clients, you know, now you've kind of opened up the box for, you know, meals and expenses. Now, I'll try and get into this much more in future podcasts. Um, you know, if you guys need a good CPA, always feel free to reach out to team at thewealthelevator.com for a referral to the folks that we personally work with. Um, you know, there's most CPAs just don't really understand this game of real estate and business expenses. Biggest reason is, you know, it's just kind of makes things a little bit harder for them and they prefer to do things the easy way. But, you know, the easy way is not the best for you. And I'm a big proponent for you know, educating yourself on why this stuff makes sense so you can kind of lead and work with your CPA. But unfortunately, most people, I would say 90% of you guys out there don't have very good CPAs that understand this stuff. And why would you, right? Because think about it. Why would you want to take financial advice from somebody who's not financially free, like a CPA who's still working that day job? I'm just saying. But anyway, to in conclusion, like this floor one is your training ground where you're kind of learning your art of saving, budgeting, and you're starting to invest in rental properties and starting to build that foundation for the, for the future wealth. You might even implement a legal entity to for some asset protection. You're going to start to implement a lot of these tax strategies too that'll just keep growing and growing and you know building the good habits now, like keeping your receipts, writing it off, recognizing what you can write off to you know get more of that type of stuff um, as expenses. You know it's all critical. And part of the building of a sophisticated investor and getting more efficient from that tax perspective. So join me in the next episode as we explore the strategies to excel. Join me as we explore the strategies to extend to the next floor too. Until then, keep climbing. And uh, if you guys have any friends, you know, tell them about the Wealth Elevator because it is a lot cooler and fun when you've got friends doing this too, because I think what you're going to realize, especially when you get to floor two, floor three, you're going to start to realize that your friends will, won't probably understand this stuff and you're going to be talking two different financial languages. I mean, friends are friends and I've got friends that aren't really into this, but we're just going to start to realize, and especially if you come to one of our events, right, you're going to start to realize that 
man, it's really cool when you start to, you know, get around people that are synergistic in these types of ideas and, you know, these alternative investing strategies.